Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real phony gon' recognize, still, still recognize with. Like we always do with this time, I go for mine, I get to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. Welcome everybody, welcome to the KIRP Radio Show I'm your host Pudgy and you guys know this is what I do Every Sunday baby, 8pm Eastern Time It is 5-20-2012 and it is showtime on the KIRP Radio Show WMMG's number one black conservative show online in the southeastern United States baby And we are number one holding it down with over 3.7 We got new numbers in baby, we doing pretty good We got 3.7 listeners out there worldwide And I really appreciate you guys for rocking with your boy you can also hit us up every Sunday online on iTunes, and the iTunes is definitely growing. Over 500,000 listeners on the iTunes. I really appreciate you guys for rocking with us, sending your comments, your email, everything. We really, really, really 
Thank you guys for holding us down, man, because we try to do it a little different on this show. It is what it is. It's a black perspective. I don't care if you don't like it. I hope you do like it. But if you don't like it, it's all good, too, because that means you're talking about me either way it goes. So shout out to everybody out there who's listening to the show, all the first comers, all the newcomers, all the old timers, everybody that spends a lot of time with us. I really appreciate you guys for rocking with us. This Sunday, I got my special co-host. I got my man, Ella Arthur. I might add. I got I to gotta throw that author in there, profound author and speaker. I got my man Ella Thomas in here now. He's going to be co-hosting the show with us just a little bit later here in about five minutes. He's going to bring some perspective from his side of things, folks, because, you know, it's always good to have an extra perspective to bring to the table. So this is what we're going to do. You know, we, we got to do that. Also coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes maybe. Oh, nine minutes. We got Charlotte from Triad Super Savers at StretchingYourBudget.com. Going to come on and give you guys a little bit of knowledge about how to maybe coupon or save a couple dollars, live a little bit more frugal. This lady dedicates her life to making sure people save some money. So I want you guys to definitely check her out. She'll be up here at 815, holding it down on the KIRP radio show. For all you Twitters out there, all you Twitter followers out there, all you Twitter folks in the Twitter world, Twitter's, Twitter's taking over. Twitter and Facebook, they, they're taking over. Anyway, for all you all you Twitter listeners out there, your social media gurus, period, hit us up on the Twitter page at KIRP Radio Show, at NC Pudgy. The KIRP Radio Show, that's the show, at NC Pudgy is me. Leave your comments, your concerns, your critiques, or anything you got, man. Just leave it on there. Show some love or, or put some shout-outs out there. We'll try to get y'all shout-outs on the show because we love shout-outs, and shout-outs is what we do. Also, you guys are on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. We're definitely on the Facebook around the clock. So check us out, man. We got a lot going on. And, we, you know, we do this for the people. You know, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of false accusations and a lot of rhetoric out there. We don't care about all that. On this show, you bring to the table what you believe. You bring to the table what you think and your opinions. And, you know, we just share opinions and we talk about factual information outside of all the rhetoric and all, all the things that people say that, you know, all the false claims. And, you know, we're not about all that, man. We we just try to keep it 100. We try to keep it real on the show. And, and this is this is my little contribution to society right here that I that try from my perspective, for people to critique, I put myself all the way out there. So this forces me to understand what's going on, understand the laws, and to read on these issues and learn and meet some of the people that are dealing with some of the issues that we encounter and that we talk about in the public eye. So I mean, for not knowing what the hell I'm talking about sometimes, but uh, most of the time you'll, you'll be wrong and you'll we'll, we'll be debating opinion rather than factual info. Okay, moving right along. Um, this show is going to be a little bit. Johnson coming through. If you guys don't know Sunny Johnson, she's from Politics. She's She's been in several movies. She's a rock. She definitely holds it down. She's a motivational speaker. And this woman, it moves anybody, no matter what you believe or what your uh, political affiliations are when you hear Sonny bring it to the table you know she's bringing it live and you know it's from the heart so I got Sonny coming on here she's gonna drop some info for you guys and uh of the show and uh we're gonna really get down into it so for you folks who don't know let me read this off I want I want to all because we topics tonight but basically the topics that we're discussing is old you know what I mean? We're talking about the old customs versus the new customs. And and I'm sorry about the technical difficulties that we have and I, I don't know what's going on. But 
it is what it is. We're going to keep rocking. Um, tonight, we're talking about old ways versus new ways. I'm going to have a debate. I'm going to have an honest opinion from you guys uh, about what you think. Um, the old approach to things, just silly and not useful in today's society, so far as uh, just the way society works alone. For marriage, et cetera, et cetera. You know, anything that you feel is old and misleading and, and just not working for today, come in and let's really see because I want to know. I'm hearing a lot of people say that a lot of things, a lot of things, okay? So the other topic that we're going to talk about is uh, the president. Uh, just the office of the president, actually, uh, not actually President Obama. You know, I, I'm taking all claims and all, you know, all kinds, but. You know, while everybody's criticizing and has an opinion on the and on President Obama, what do you want from him? You know, do you or, or do you actually know what you do? You know what they can do? Do you actually know what the president's job is? I would love to hear what you guys think about that. And the last but not least, because we'll probably spend more time on this last one than anything, is black leaders. Yeah, we talking about Reverend Now. We're talking about Jackson. You know, we're talking about Sharpton. All these guys, man. We, I want to know, black leaders, what's really good? I mean, you can complain about them, um, but what should they really be doing to the black leaders? You know, let us know what they really should be doing and what they think they be doing. Or, or maybe what they are doing in the public spectrum don't see. I want to know comments. I want to know what you guys think. This one. Six three eight eight five five nine is number. On Facebook, that's facebook.com slash RP Radio Show. Leave a comment. We'll get towards the end of the show. You definitely doing shout out. And I'm on the topic of shout outs. I got a special shout out to Kayla Johnson graduating over there. She's a hip hop great. She's a talented young individual. She's doing things right in her life. So I definitely want to be out. And she's all out out of uh, Oakland, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So shout out to them. And, and I think it's Oklahoma City. I'm not actually sure, but I know she's from Oklahoma. So I definitely want to give her a big up and big up other out there. I've been on the Facebook and seeing so many cap and gowns and everybody holding their pieces of paper and their degrees. And it's a beautiful thing, man. I love it because you know I'm I'm not a college graduate, but in people. If you're a hater, listen to this close, everybody. Listen. I want you to listen. Repost it. Retweet it. Do whatever you got to do. If you're a hater and you hate to see people prosper, if you got something to say about somebody rocking their cap and ground, gown in their picture, somebody holding their degree up, kill all that nonsense, man. Stop hating. Go climb in a hole somewhere. Get, get under your covers. Hide your head. Don't look in the mirror. Just bury yourself because you ain't nothing but a hater. Hater, 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 hater. I wish I had the song Hater right now to play. Do we got that? I guess we had the song. I wish I did have it. But shout out to all the graduates out there, man. Y'all keep posting pictures of your kids and keep posting those A and B on the rows and those, you know, those S's and all that. Keep posting your degrees and everything, man. Keep showing love to yourself, showing love to your people because all it's all about motivation. It's all about empowerment. And if we don't motivate ourselves and we don't empower each other and we leave it up to somebody else to do, it will not get done. We'll always be left out. I'll be right back. I got to go to a commercial, folks. And when I come back, we got Charlotte on the air for stretching your budget. Try at supersavers.com. You rocking with the KIRP radio show, the number one black conservative show online in the southeastern United States with over 3.7 million. That's how we do it. Uh. 
Uh, be right back. Two minutes. North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800-442-2762. Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. Switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show. Sorry about the technical difficulties, folks, but you know how it is, man. This is show business, and it is what it is. This is entertainment. It's live, and this is what goes down sometimes. But uh, welcome, everybody, to the show, all my newcomers out there, all my people who have never listened to the show before. And uh, at this time, we're going to bring on a very, very helpful contributor to the show, very helpful contributor to WMMG, and none other than uh, Charlotte from TriadSuperSavers.com. Y'all wish I was a game show host. I could do that right. Charlotte, what's up? What's up? Not much. <laughs> How was Mother's it was, Day? It was good. We were at the beach. <laughs> ah, the beach. Watching the water, laying on the sand, having a good time, getting the tan. You know, I can't get a tan, right? Yeah. You can a little bit, right? Girl, if I get a 10, woo-wee, <laughs> <laughs> keep it 100. If I get a 10, I'm going to look like I'm from another land, for real, like <laughs> literally. <laughs> I just burn, so I get like pink. It's not really a 10. <laughs> see, see, see? Hey, look, let me ask you a, a, a real serious question right now, because I, I got something on my mind that, that I can't shake, and, it, and it's about money. Okay. I need some. And I want to ask, but I'm afraid you might turn me down. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Go ahead. Can I borrow five dollars? 
Sure. <laughs> You're not drinking five dollars. Yeah, let me stop acting crazy, man. Sean, what you got for us this week, man? I know you got something good for the people because you go so hard and your website is popping. There's a lot of people on there, a lot of people talking about it. We're seeing the tweets and we're seeing all the activity. I know I appreciate it and I have learned a lot since you've been coming on the show. And so have a lot of other people, but we got a bunch of newcomers, so I don't know if you uh you had something specific planned or or maybe you could just backtrack a minute and, and give some of the information that a lot of people uh don't seem to know. I, I don't know. If you have something planned, please by all means go ahead with it. But if not, you know, kind of backtrack and let people know what you do and what you offer and how it can be beneficial to them because the the services are free. So, you know, everybody loves something free. I don't know. You got the floor, I'm out the way. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't have a ton plan, so I can just share a little bit about, you know, what I do and what we kind of offer, and then I'll, at the end, share what I had planned to talk about. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, so I am the author, I guess you could say, of StretchingYourBudget.com, and basically I just like to share, I mean, my passion is sharing with others how to save money. Um, I don't really know why that became my passion. Um, I, I think I've told this story before, but I, when I started couponing, it was basically out of necessity. It wasn't like I was saying, ooh, let me go put coupons all the time and try to save money. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, my husband lost his job, and so it was kind of like we needed to do something to immediately affect our budget. So um, couponing seemed to be the the best way to do that. Um, so I kind of it was self-taught. I just did some research on the internet and you know taught myself how to coupon. And it took a few months for me to really learn. Um, I guess you could say master it. And it's just ever since it kind of took off. And you know now I just really enjoy it. It's kind of become a hobby. Um, sometimes it drives me crazy, but for the most part, I really do enjoy it. And um, so I like to share with you guys and everybody out there that wants to learn how to save. Um, so I started my website um, in order to, to have a place to share all these things. So, um, you know, the website has a ton of information. So if you're just starting out with couponing um, or you're interested in learning how to save um, in other ways, we talk about, um, you know, ways to live frugal. We, we talk about, um, you know, budgeting tips. So it's not just couponing, it's how to save money in every aspect of your life because um, you can coupon and, and still blow tons of money everywhere else and it's not going to really do any good. So, um, you know, it's just really important to try to bring everything together and save money in all aspects of your life. Um, for me, it just kind of all falls into place. You know, starting couponing, it kind of was a triple effect and I wanted to start saving in every area of my life. So whether that was, like, shopping or, um, you know, just going out to eat, you know, any any little thing that we did, is, it, it caused me to think first about everything that I buy. Um, so before, I was just kind of an impulse buyer and wanted to buy and not think about how much I'm going to cost or if we had the money for it. I didn't really even know what was in our checking account. I just spent until it said declined at the register. <laughs> so that was kind of my thought process before, and then, um, since couponing and, um, you know, learning really about saving money and just kind of diving into that for a few years, it's just become, you know, an important part of our family's life. So, um, you know, that's just kind of what we do. 
So you can check out, again, like I said, stretchingyourbudget.com. We've got a beginner's tab, and it talks about, um, you know, the four main steps of couponing. So if you're totally clueless, then you can head to that zone, and um, it's just at the top of our website there. We also have, like, a resource tab, and they I've got all kinds of information to help you get started as far as, like, spreadsheets and that kind of thing if you're the nerd in the group and you like that kind of thing. Um, and then we've got, like, a printable coupon tab and um, re- all kinds of resources where you can find coupons online. So um, there's just a ton of information. We do a lot of giveaways. So if you like to enter contests, it's free to, to win things. We do um, reviews on products. So if you like to know about things before they come available, you can check that out. Um, so there's just, like, a ton of stuff out there. Um so there's something for everybody, I think. <laughs> what do you say, Budgie? Yeah, definitely, definitely something for everybody. I, I learn a lot all the time, and um, I also learn how not to be afraid to uh, go to the store with coupons. I mean, I, you know, I've never been like afraid, afraid of nothing, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's embarrassing or or, or what. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what it was before, but I just didn't want to go to the register with a coupon. I'm sorry, that's just me. Well, the. Yeah, like the mindset before, I mean, and that was kind of my thing, was it's like your mom and grandma's way of couponing is totally different than the way it is now. I mean, yeah. now couponing, I see men with their coupon binders going through the grocery store by themselves. It's like <laughs> the norm now. So it's just, a, it's just like a new thing. <laughs> Yo, I, I say shout out to the men out there who's going to the supermarket with the coupon book, man. Now that is B-I-G right there, my book. That's huge right there. I, I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think once you finally see how much you save, I mean, I went to the store this week because it's triple coupon week at our local grocery store, so obviously I've been multiple times. Heard. And um, so I was this lady behind me, she was like, are you serious? You just got all that? I had a whole buggy full of stuff. It was a pretty good trip for me. Wow. She was like, you got all that stuff for $7? And I was like, yes, ma'am. She goes, man, I need to start doing that. I said, yeah, it's worth it. She goes, I can see why. You know, and I was like, I can't believe, because the lady had started ringing my stuff up before she said that. And, um, you know, I had like three things sitting on the counter that she had already started ringing, and it was $15. I'm like, I could never imagine spending yeah. $15 for three things when I can walk out with a whole buggy full of stuff for like $7. So it's just once you see that savings, it's like almost like you can't ever go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So oh yeah. That's that's kind of how people get hooked. <laughs> well, let me ask so. you this: since we do have so many new listeners, and and, and I won't hold you forever, but I I do want to get this Maybe question out. For for most people who are just starting, um, you know, what's a starting point? Because you know, you know, nobody's gonna grab the book nobody's going to be that efficient about clipping coupons i mean you know just to be real about it at first anyway people aren't just gonna uh, gonna you know embrace it that well it's gonna take them a minute to get used to it so what what would you suggest or or where should the starting point be for people who want to maybe start saving like is there a certain item that they could always start clipping coupons for and then maybe maneuver into something else or maybe a class or a website or something like that yeah, that's a good question. I mean, definitely check out our website again on that beginners tab. It's you know like a navigation bar across the top, um, and that's like a starting point for like your first points of what to do. But as far as like clipping coupons, 
um, if you if you're just starting out, I usually recommend the little accordion file little thing. Like, you know what I mean? What I'm saying, the accordion file. Yeah. It's like a little. They, some people put their bills in it. Some people use it for coupons. Some people use it for recipes. But just like a little thing like that, and then you can just clip out the coupons for products that you know you're going to use. See, the, that's what you know. A lot of people get overwhelmed with clipping so many. Just start out with clipping the things that you know that you're going to use, and then um, if you don't want to, you know, buy the Sunday paper, then there's tons of coupons to print online. Um, and we have all the resources on our website to find all the places to print. Um, but printing, you just print when you see, the, you know, stuff on sale, and then you just take it to the store with you. That way you don't have to worry about storing it. You just print it as you need it. So that might be a good starting point for, for people that are just starting out. Um, but eventually you'll want to start clipping the majority of almost all the coupons um, just because there will be sales on items that, you might have thought you know, didn't use, but if if it's free that week, then you might want to try it. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm but, using some new stuff right now. Yeah, I know because it's like it never fails when you don't clip the coupon, and the next week the item goes on sale, and you're like, man, I just threw that coupon away. So <laughs> you'll learn as you're going that you'll wish you not you didn't do it. I like so, that. Um, so. So for yeah, all you folks small. out there who, who for all you folks out there who who don't know what website she's talking about, can you give them the info to the website, please? Yes, it's stretchingyourbudget.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash stretchingyourbudget, and then we're on Twitter and at symbol stretchyourbudget. It's um, stretch and then your is you are and then budget. There it is. <laughs> we like that. Charlotte always coming through every week, holding it down, bracing us, showing us some love. Charlotte, we definitely appreciate what you do, man, for real. Well, I love doing it, so <laughs> well, you, I'll I be got, here till I die. <laughs> I got one more thing, though. One more thing. Okay. You already know. I'm not in a hurry. You know what we do. My shout out. Yes, right. Gotta leave your shout out, baby. Who you got your shout outs for? My shout-out today is for Ben because our anniversary is tomorrow. Wow. Shout-out to Ben for holding it down with the frugal lady, the coupon lady, whatever they call her. It's, it's probably all true. She's one of the nicest people in the world, by the way, so, you know, it Aww. is what it is. But um, shout-out to you guys, man. Happy anniversary to you guys, and I wish you guys well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Charlotte. Um, Next week, then, we'll do it again. All right, I will be there. All right, everybody, if you're listening online, 619-638-8559 is the number. You can hit us up online because we're about to move right on in into the topic. I got my co-host on the line with me, Ella Thomas. How you doing, Mr. Thomas? What's up? Mr. Pudgy Miller, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Man, I'm tired, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to let you just have the show. (laughs) Nah, let me stop. Yo, man, um... What you think about the topic this week, man? I'm sure you had some time to marinate on it, and there's been a lot of things going on in the media, and people feel some kind of way, and we see the, the kids. Oh, let, let me before you answer that. Let me let me tell you a story real quick. Yesterday, Go ahead. yesterday, brother, uh-huh. I, I take the kids to the park, and uh, it's 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 some twins out there, some little boys. I guess they're about you know I, I don't know maybe ten, you know at the most mm-hmm. nine nine ten years old, between eight and ten, and you know this kid is bouncing the ball. And he's talking, and he's like, 
that MF over there said something about my mom. I should kick his MF for eight. I'm like, yo. I said, why are you cursing like that, little dude? What's up? So you know wow. what he did? He walked to the what other side of the bench. He walked to the other side of the bench, and he said to his friend, he said, you know what? I'm cursing over here now. <laughs> Wow, man! I wanted to whoop that little dude, man. For real, for real, I wanted to whoop that little dude, man. Because you know what you want, you know you, you know why you wanted to whoop him, right, Pudgy? Why is that? Uh, um, what we have, what we have seen is this evolution of what is considered unacceptable in society. Um, I remember back in the days, had I ever, ever, ever said anything remotely close to that, mom was out there with the belt switch, whatever it took to actually make sure I got back in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas now, Bernie Mac said it's the best <laughs> when he did it. Said he said um, a lot of the parents have turned into kids themselves, or want to be best friends with their with their with their kids, and then um, they're also afraid of them, which I really don't understand. Are parents really afraid of their kids? I mean, come on, let's let's be for real now. We talk, we're talking about little kids, and and I know I jumped in the topic, folks. We don't normally do it like that, a little bit off base. Um, six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. Hit number one if you got a comment because we we're just gonna move right along into this thing, man. And we gonna talk it out and we are gonna do what we do. If you guys are calling to listen to the show by via phone line. I will not bother you. We will not pick up. We we will not bother you at all. You can just listen to the show. So if you do not hit number one to make a comment, we're not going to open you up to make a comment, all right? So you'll be holding for a very long time, or you'll just be rocking with us listening to the show, and that's all good. KIRPRadioshow.com is the site. You can also hit us up on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, Google. Do what you do. But back to the show, man. Okay, Ellen. Um, what, what's really good, man? Because I, I, I don't think I don't think – Parents are afraid of their kids for the most part. I think that has to evolve, no? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Um, you know I'm originally from Seattle, right? Yeah. And there's a particular suburb part of Seattle where there are, um, unfortunately, kids killing their parents, which I think is kind of odd. And society doesn't help because if you spank a child or you do anything that's considered discipline, all of a sudden that you're going to find yourself in incarceration, which I don't agree with. Now, I don't agree with, you know, beating a child. Uh, but you know, it's spirit child for the rod. This is what my belief is. Um, right. I raised two brothers, and I told my baby brother one time when he was, you know, he was going uh, when I got him from the foster care system. He said, Ellert, guess what I learned?" I'm like, "What?" He said, "Well, I was told that you cannot touch me." I said, "Look, let me tell you this. You disrespect, <laughs> disrespect me in my house. Believe me, there's only one king in the household. I hate for you to lose your teeth. And you know what? I, kids, for some reason, will often challenge." individuals see how far they could go. What do you feel about that, Pudgy? Uh, you know what? In a nutshell, I, I just put it like this. They better get myself ready because I got four boys and a girl, <laughs> and it's only going to be one king in this house. And uh, right. we're not going with that back and forth and you talking to me. For, you know what? First of all, I, I think I think there's a there's a, a, a missing element in, in how we raise our kids. Like, first of all, I, I think most parents don't raise their kids like, from what I'm seeing is a lot of parents handing their kids off to family member A, B, C, D, E, and F. You know what I'm seeing? A whole mm-hmm. lot of that. So when it comes to the child respecting you, they're not looking at you as a parental figure. They're looking at, at you as just a placeholder. You're just here until you hand me off to grandma or or auntie something, something, or my cousin or this that person and the other. So I, I think there's a power struggle going on between some parents and some kids. And I, I just don't I don't, I don't invite that in my household, you know, speaking on myself. Now, I know in some situations, 
Some people, they, they have to drop their kids off because I know people are working, they can't afford childcare, they can't do this, they can't do that. I get that. I totally get that. But when you drop your kids off and you're handing your kids off for sake of having a good time, or and, and I do understand everybody needs a break. Don't don't get it twisted, folks. But when you when you find it a habit and it becomes the norm that your kids are spending all the time with someone else, they're not going to respect you because they're getting that discipline from somewhere else in large part. That's not in all cases, but in large part, that's a lot of what we're seeing, what I'm seeing. And as parents get younger, that increases. You know, it is unfortunate. I, you, one of the topic is, you know, the um, young versus old. I remember back in the day when the grandma and grandpa was around, there were certain things they just would not tolerate. And we didn't have such a focus on, um, what would I say, disciplining your kids as we do because some individuals, yeah. let's get it, Let's make a good understanding. Some people don't know, don't necessarily know how to truly discipline the kids without going too far. But then again, right. what is considered too far? <laughs> um, I have my, I have two baby brothers. I love actually four, and each one of them have different personalities. One you can talk to them one way and they're good. The yeah. other one, you know, what? you have to give them that physical tough love. <laughs> yeah. And it's unfortunate that um, you say you have you have, you have kids, right, Pudgy? Yeah, four boys and a girl. Okay. So, so essentially, you so you know that your each child maybe have different personalities. You have to deal with them differently, but yet you still set the standard and the expectation, the whole and the foundation of your household. Correct? Right. All of them. All of them have different yes. personalities. Every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Serious man, and it, and it's and it's you know you have to manage those personalities as a parent. But I, I understand where you're going. So, you know what, let's backtrack for a second because we're going to go back there. But just more on topic, old versus new. Um, have you seen, from from your standpoint or, or from your understanding on things in society today, are the old school ways just no good anymore um, in terms of new school, so, new, new school society? I guess that's the word. Well, the, depending on how you define new school society. What I wanted to touch on really quick is looking at old versus new. Uh, I was looking at our educational system and how I feel that a lot of things that are taught are more archaic and they don't necessarily um, help a child with today's society. Uh, there was an adage that, you know, go to school, um, get out, get a good job. Well, unfortunately, marketing and economic conditions have changed to where there's so many individuals with bachelor's, master's degrees, and even PhDs are unemployed right now. So how do you get into the mindset of a child in, the, in today's um, educational system and, and get them prepared for the future? I think that's the current struggle that we have right now, and that's the difference between the old school way of educating and new um, way of educating. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. I, t- I tell you what, let's go to a call or two because Sonny will be here in a second. We're going to go to a call out of the 919. we got a few of you guys. So uh, the last three digits is eight. Four seven eight four seven. You on the air, with Pudgy? What's up? Hey, brother P. This is your orange brother. How you doing? <laughs> uh, good, good, man. Hey, <laughs> I, I had to kick in on this because uh, I'm definitely old school. Right. But I know where a lot of the problem is is people my age and maybe a little younger. They always swore to themselves, "I'm never going to be mean to my kids like that. I'm not going to treat my kids like that." Uh-huh. Well. Hey, look what they got. Wow. You know, that's that's just it. See, I raised my little brother. He's about your age. Me and my wife raised him. And the first thing I had to set down when he moved in with us at the age of 13 was, look, 
whatever my wife says, this is our house, whatever she says goes. You don't like it, you can come to me when I'm home and we'll discuss it. But right. whatever she says, you have to do. There's, uh, we, you know, a lot of people my age, they didn't teach their kids respect. It, it was like uh, a society of no sense makes sense, you know. Hey, if you can get away with it, it's good. It's it's all all good. And that's wrong. I mean, we we lived in fear of back, back talking. I, I knew better than to open my mouth at the dinner table. We weren't even allowed to speak at the table. You're there to eat, you eat. Mm. Now, kids, most people don't even sit down to a dinner table anymore. That's, I think that that's a big problem too. But as far as the educational system, they're teaching everybody to go to college, and they should be teaching them to go to tech school and learn learn the basic trades. There's tons of jobs out there for machinists and bricklayers, and and nobody knows how. Everybody's wow. getting um, you know, educations that's not needed. It, you can't have everybody with uh, master's degrees when there's only a handful of jobs. Now, on the other hand, my son just graduated with a master's degree, and he's working. Mm-hmm. Hey, God bless him. He did good. But there, you can't have everybody going to college. It, it just doesn't make sense. It used wow. to be you had to work your way through college. That, that's that's well, an well, interesting I, approach right there. I mean, Go ahead, Ellen. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, sir, um, this is this is Ella Thomas. I want to say thank you very much for um, your input on that. One thing I've learned, um, I, I am a new new school individual, but yet grew up with old school um, attributes and traits from my great-grandfather. And one thing I've learned is that there is an, an industrial age versus this information and new generation where it, it, society has taught that technology is the way to go, not necessarily physical labor. So what are your views on that? Well, yeah, that's it makes sense that then you we got to move on and there are so many my son like I said he's a, a engineer. Uh he started off with his bachelor uh bachelor's degree in uh CAD, computer mm-hmm. animated drafting. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's all fine and dandy, but we can't forsake the industrial age because we still need things built. We still need somebody that can run the machines. Uh, I spent most of my life as a machine set-up mechanic at key milling manufacturers, uh, bearing companies. And, uh, of course, I worked hard all my life. My body isn't what it used to be, so I can't do that kind of work any longer. But I see jobs open all the time for people that know how to do that. Machine uh, lathe operators, they're, they're not there. There's a mixture of technology and old old school work as far as like with machinists. They have the CNC legs. You have to know some computer. And there's nothing wrong with learning, but that's why everybody can't be a, um, a teacher. you got to have students. You know, if everybody goes into – at one point it was what? Uh, everybody wanted to be a nurse. Now we can't find nurses, but everybody has nursing degrees, but nobody wants to work for less than $30 an hour. Mm. Everybody can't be rich. Yeah, I I just don't don't get where people can't. uh, That's why I moved down south. I'm from up north. I moved down here, and I I can get by on $10 an hour, and I can live a nice life. Yes, I want more, and yes, I want to do better. But... 
do we need that? I've seen unions put out a lot of steel mills. I've seen whole cities destroyed because the industrial age went out because of greed. But there's still jobs there. Nobody's learning to do that, the menial jobs. Uh, auto mechanics, that's a high-tech skill. But it's few and far between you get any good ones. I, I, you know what? Part part of that, I, I can agree with half of that, but only looking into the. So, okay, here's 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 what's going on also in in the nation. Um, we're getting left behind in the tech era. You know what I mean? We're we're so far behind in the tech era, and we don't have the 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 people or or the students, I guess I should say, that will take up some of these areas that we or that will invest in some of the areas that we're behind in. In, in the tech era. So there are a lot of jobs out there in certain areas where we need to be uh, new school, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe not so old school, but maybe new school, if you will. Now, if you look at manufacturing, manufacturing in, in the states have died. It's, it's dead. You know, we're not a manufacturer anymore of, of, of many things at all. So our export well, trade is... And, and you're absolutely right. We should be, and I, and I definitely agree with that. But going forward, since we aren't anymore... Where do we go from here in terms of old school versus new school economically? Because as far as the being involved in the tech, look, I mean, we have Zuckerman, we have we have people out there doing it. Yes, there's a lot of opportunities, but you can't have they're they're taking people that shouldn't even be in college, mm-hmm. okay, that honestly don't have the uh, uh, mindset or the skills. And people are going to college for things that have nothing to do with the high tech thing. I, I definitely agree it, with that because that's that's part of my stance for education. Also, is that I, I always thought yeah. that we should have more trade schools and more tech schools as well. Only because though, um, and it starts way you know way further down the line or way earlier down the line than actually college or high school. It, it starts in elementary school and and, and right. middle school because in a lot of cases. They're teaching the end of the grade test to students who just can't get it, who just don't get it, who just may not or won't get it, and some of the teachers but, who but are this know that the kids won't get it. But they get passed on anyway. Yeah, they get so, passed. They're, they're, they, hey, okay, well you got to see, or we'll 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 grade your grades on a curve. Or, mm-hmm. No, if you can't do it, you can't do it. You know, and that's. I understand no child left behind, and, and there's some people need to be trained differently or taught differently, and I'm all for alternate teachings and other ways of teaching so everybody can learn to their potential. But everybody doesn't have the potential to be a uh, brain surgeon or whatever. You know, it, it, I get that. I get I get exactly what you're saying <laughs> with, it, without the full detail. I, I get it. If, if people just listen to the surface of what you're saying, they say, this guy's crazy, he's nuts, but I definitely get it. Because I understand that there are a lot of kids who just won't get the college curriculum. They won't get it. They're not built that way. Maybe they're built to use something or understand with their hands. Maybe they're good with the wrench and, and, and a wrench. And, and I get that. But let me let me move along for a second because I definitely want to ask you about these this other question here. Um, everybody seems to have an opinion on what the president should do, what the president is doing, what he isn't doing. Um, what do we actually want, or, or what do you? Actually, want out of out of the president currently or a president? Period. What do you actually want from a president? Well, first, I don't think a president should be a uh, he should be nonpartisan mm-hmm. to start with. He should see what I like all that. 
what is brought to him, and he should be able to make an informed decision, not based on his party or who's paying him to make that decision, but do it correctly. We had several in the past that you did. I'll go back to Mr. Reagan. Look, he wasn't perfect by no means, and he worked with both sides. And when he knew something was right, he didn't care who didn't like it. This is right, this is right. And he fought for what he knew was right. Now, they got to take, first off, the president that we have right now, for some reason, has taken that office and put way too much power in it. The office of the president shouldn't have quite quite the power that Mr. Obama's taking. <laughs> I think he's over, overstepping his bounds. Uh, that's a whole nother show, so I'm not going to get it. You know, uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, seriously, the president is, well, uh, hopefully the president would be more of a figurehead and be there to unite people. And, yes, there's some major decisions uh, militarily or whatever that the president would be involved in, but that would be based on what everybody in the country wants, not what his party wants. And I don't see that. I don't see that. I don't see that. I think the biggest thing in what you said, because I, I'm, I'm definitely looking for spe- specifics, because I'm making a list, and I and, and we're going to post this list, whether I do it or somebody else do it, that, that's to be determined, but we're going to post this list because I want to know what's up. I mean, there's a lot of people out here yelling and screaming on the Republican side, the Democratic side, and everybody's talking about the president, whether it's Obama or any president or the office of a president. Everybody's talking what? about what the president needs to do, but I'm not getting if specifics a, on what people if, want. If the president actually did what he said when he was campaigning and had the transparency and had the part, you know, he, he was bipartisan, he wanted to work with everybody and make this country go forward, and if he did any, he didn't do any of the things he said he's going to do. Now, I mean, he he's not transparent. He does things behind everybody's back. I, I don't get well, it. I mean, well, I know it's politics. Well, you know, such as politics, and one thing I want to say um, is that I think a lot of people don't understand what is the actual role of a president. We all have our opinions of what the president should do. Uh, once I had a discussion with a young lady one time, and she was, we are talking about several presidents from the past, I won't say any names, and then up to this current president, um, who some people may respect or um, dislike. One thing I've learned is that regardless of who you decide to put in leadership, if the system itself is ineffective, all you're doing is just recycling individuals in a system that is not necessarily fixed. I mean, think about it for a moment. If you start looking at years of years and years of different type of leadership, each and every president had his good qualities and had his, and had his faults. Now, the question is this, where where in the system is the breakdown, is the challenge. So if a a politician who becomes the president says, okay, I'm going to do their job, um, what is the measurement um, stick that we're using? What is the measure by which we're measuring this individual's effectiveness? Is it, A, that there's a decrease in jobs, um, excuse me, the um, lost job rate, or is there an increase? I mean, we as individuals need to start elevating our thinking when it comes to how effective a president is, and a president is only as effective as the system allows him to be. That's just my opinion. Well, uh, I, one one thing I think they need to do, honestly, is get rid of both parties. 
It shouldn't be a party <laughs> against the party. Yeah. It should be who is the best person in the country that's running for that office. If there's an incumbent, that doesn't mean that you have to have a Republican. It should be a whoever is most qualified. Okay, qualifications, uh, knowledge of business, knowledge. I mean, a president should be knowledgeable in so many different factions. But we also need somebody that's down to earth that understands what made this country what it is and take it where it's going to go. Whether it's a – I mean, I don't get caught up in all that uh, – the, the parties because, you know what, and I don't even understand that. Here in North Carolina, mm-hmm. I can't vote. If, if When I go to vote, i got to tell them if I, I, I'm a registered unaffiliated. So i got to tell them who I, what party I want to go for. What if I want to vote three Democrats and four Republicans? I can't do that. The, the, our voting system and all that is totally screwed up. I mean, we need to change. Uh, it, I thought this was the United States of America. They ain't nothing united about it. <laughs> that's kept, that's why I push for everybody to be unaffiliated. So you can do your own research, and when it comes time to vote, you can vote on which one you want to vote for. But I, I, but I you do. Can't. Oh, you mean but you can't? You mean vote bipartisan? No, you can't. No, you have to. You have to vote. One or the other, and I don't feel that's right. You know, maybe I like some Democrat right now. I, I mean, what I look into, but but what if I did? And mm-hmm. I want to vote for so and so because the Republican in that it, running for that office is a is a jerk. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. I want to get somebody else in it. I can't do that, and that's not right. Well, Kev, I appreciate your calls here, brother. You you really brought something in perspective. And, and I got your comment on the list here where you said nonpartisan when I asked you uh, what would you want of a president, period, and you said nonpartisan or of the office of the president. I appreciate that. I like that. I like that Most a lot. Most definitely. And as far as old school, new school, I'm sorry. I was raised with the belt, and my kids <laughs> got the belt. And if their kids better get the belt when they need it because – there ain't no reason for children to be demanding things from their parents. <laughs> no doubt. I see that all the time, and that just make, that just kills me, man. Hey, peace, love, y'all have a good show. I'm going to listen on the computer. Always, you man. Bless you, you, man. you, sir. 619-638-8559 is the number, baby. 619-638-8559 is the number. Make sure, he go, <laughs> make sure you hit one. If you got a comment, coming up real quick will be Sonny Johnson in the second half of the hour, and she's going to break it down and join on with us, and we're going to really get good on this thing. But right now, going to take a caller out of the hometown, 252. Uh, man, I got a few of you guys. Let's see, 950 is the last three. You're on the air with Pudgy, and I got co-host Ella Thomas on the air with me. What's up? Peace. Peace. Peace, brothers. How you doing? Roy Spell. Roy Senior Spell, Jr. My man. Yeah, yeah, you, peace. How you doing, bro? Good, man. Good yeah, to hear actually, from you. Yeah, actually, I was, I was listening to um, listening to your to your show, mm-hmm. and I'm actually, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, things um tend to come back around, you know. Even though we got this, even the skinny jean era, we can look at the pictures <laughs> of our mothers with <laughs> tight clothes on, you know. Um, so things tend to come around, mm-hmm. you know. And then you start talking about how even how the kids are today. Uh, versus how we used to be. Of course, we're the kids now are a little more wicked and wiser than 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 um, 
than we were. Yeah. That, you know, that, that was written you know, under my Christian background. But the whole thing I, I look at is the uh, bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, for as uh, for as really a systematic thing. You know, mm-hmm. I look at, some people call it conspiracy or what have you, but I look at more of a population control thing. You know, mm-hmm. where, even with the with, with with the government, how the government kind of steps in for certain certain citizens, um, mainly women, who who are single parents, sure. who they give an option. You know, they have an option to you know if my I don't feel that my 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 child's father is putting putting out. You know, they have an option. You know, well, I can put you out the house and I can get supported. Whew. You know, whether it's, it's a it's a it's a Bad guy. We do have the guys who are just all dead beats. But I mean, now it's very common that I see where women are uh, using it as a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guy. You know, it's, uh, we're in a somewhat of a pre uh, a pre recession. The women are actually just putting the guys out. Hey, you're not working. You're not doing this. You know, and actually putting them out. They're getting the housing authority. They're getting the checks. So therefore, when you take that, you know, take the figure out the house. When you're raising these kids, it's a certain, it's a certain, it's, it's an element missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This element that's missing is forming a society, or it's just forming a type of people. So then you have people who are good, people who are sticking in there, wives and you no know, husbands with kids. The kids still got to be around this. I mean, the same element that's being made. You know, there's nothing wrong with this situation, but being that it's, it's something that's intentional, that that's pretty wrong. Mm. You know where, where the option is. It seems like it's innocent, but in some ways it's systematically, like on some man behind the curtain scenario, that this situation is being put forth. It's it's you know? the Wizard of Oz, bro. It's, it's it, you said it right. It's the Wizard of Oz. There's a man behind the curtain pulling the string, and there's a big monster talking, and everybody see the monster and they're scared. But what you're saying, though, what you're saying makes perfect sense. It's it's a systematic thing. But you know, my question is why don't why can't people see this? Because you know, when I came up with the topic for the show, old versus new, I was I was looking at some of the things, and you know, the marriage amendment was on my head right then. I ain't even going to that. That's that's dead to me. It's over with. I I'm not even going there with people. I put the facts out for people to read for themselves from the legislature themselves. I'm done with that. But I'm saying a lot of people were were, were speaking on. Well, you guys are stuck in the old ways, this old, this old way of thinking, this out, this outdated mindset. So I, I'm asking, is it is it really outdated? Speaking on what what you just spoke on now, is it really outdated to think that a two parent household is 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 not positive? Mm, right, and that's a good question. Well, it's like ancient, <laughs> you know. What I mean? It's not really yeah. outdated. It's something that goes way back. You know, what I mean, it's go ways back before this type of society. You know, democracy, you know what I mean? These certain things, and like I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm basing it all on a bigger or the big brother concept or something else that's in play other sure. than what society is, is seeing. So, of course, I mean, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a play, you know what I mean? To really, 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 it's a, to what, what I understand, based off my direction of study, mm-hmm. it has, it's, it's more of a, Way to set up this society. I mean, you have um, when I say when it when it goes back to ancient, you have people who are actually they, they take the word. When I say the word, the Bible, and not only is you know it's, it's prophecy, so it's going to happen, but they push it. You know what I mean? They push it as in we're going to make this happen. 
Sure. You know what I mean? And, and it's and this system. You know what I mean? And you saying where where people, you know, why don't people know or why don't people learn? The reason why it's not because only a fool would know. And that was a fool that would be just being <laughs> you know what I mean? on a spiritual I love level. I love it. It. It's meant to it was meant to happen, so therefore, you know, it, it's, 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 it, that question will always remain. That's the whole question of well, how in the world could an Antichrist ever come and everybody got, who got a Bible, we know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the question. Like, how could he trick millions when we already know he's going to trick millions? Mm-hmm. But it's happening. You know what? <laughs> it's happening. Well, right the thing is, well, I'm glad you brought that up, sir. I, I really appreciate um, your contribution. Uh, just touching on what you what you said. Let me well, let's, let's back up a little bit. I've learned at an early age, if you lack the understanding of anything, whatever you're going to do, your results are going to be based upon what your understanding is of that. Let's say, for example, you use um, the word, for example, how is it that the Antichrist, et cetera, et cetera, not to say this is going to be a Christian um, debate. The thing is this. If, in fact, you do not have a clear understanding of the principles, a clear understanding of uh, what's truly taking place, and then you have individuals who are in leadership teaching these particular principles, they themselves don't understand what you have now is a, a conglomerate of individuals who are now living a lifestyle of misunderstanding and with misinformation. Does that make sense? So it's, yeah, it easy, sense. it's easy to entice and change the views of individuals who lack strength in a particular um, mm-hmm. teaching, especially if it's incorrect. But, I mean, so, look, I'm more, more, more on the surface, though. Okay, look, we can, we can, we can get down into it. I mean, we can, we can really chop it up about this right here. But I, I'm just saying more on the surface. Why does it seem like society just want to move past everything that we learn that is beneficial? I mean, just even in the natural, like even respecting, even respecting your elders. Like I said about the little kid at the park, he didn't care. Man, I got gray hair on my face and I didn't even shave. He didn't care. He didn't care nothing about how old I was. And and, and I and I rolled up there with four kids. And the way I keep myself in public among people, I definitely keep it cool, but I keep it respectful. So I, I command the room when I come in, like, you're going to respect me whether you like it or not, or one of us going to be removed. You dig what I'm saying? So this little, this little kid did not command the room. He's not going to command my aura by me being around him, but he didn't care. He didn't care nothing about me being a parent. He didn't care nothing about me being in his presence. He just went on a cursing tear. This mf I'm going to kick his A if he don't get my ball, blah, 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 blah. And this is an eight-year-old. You dig what I'm saying? So we're, we're looking at eight-year-olds who can go off like that, and then we got adults who don't care anything about following what I would like to call natural order or just decency and common sense. They don't want to follow by any rules either. So I, I have to ask, man, is it is it that I, that we're looking at things wrong? Am I too old-fashioned? You know what I'm saying? Are the old laws and rules outdated, or not? Yeah, it's just a birth of a new a birth of a new era. Yeah. I mean, it's always generational gaps. I mean, no matter what generation you're from, as long as the world rotating, another generation to come, and there'll be a gap. <laughs> Yeah. Regardless of what, according to your spirit, you know what I mean. When the people say real, recognize real, and what have you, I mean, even you said the kid moved across. He was only eight, but yeah. he had enough sense and felt enough on you to at least move across. He wasn't taught, you know. And he had enough to know he couldn't stay where he was, you know, at age eight. Yeah, at age I mean, eight. Even if he grow up, yeah. So if he gets older, you know, the respect, or at least to recognize a spirit, you know what I mean, an elder. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll grow more, just naturally, even if you no one ever teaches right from wrong. You know what I mean? At age eight, he had enough sense to go or at least move. 
that hey, as, you, as you get older, I mean, it, it, it'll grow regardless. You know what I mean? Just to understand the world of teaching more than anything. The world is a harsh teacher. So, I mean, of course, respect is taught in the world. Whether, you know, that may not be respect for elders, but it'll be respect for someone who who, who, who could do something to you, you know? True but indeed. I mean, what, as time goes on, even though respect is different from when we came up, you know, we couldn't even say dad or dog. I couldn't even say dog in my house. You know what I mean? Like, if I was upset, this dog. No, you couldn't say that. You'll get it. You know what I mean? But th- those things change, but some things will always be a level of respect. You know I mean, if not for elders or just respect for, for the next person. Wow. Hmm. Well, let, let, let me let me move to this next topic real quick. And, uh, I, you know, we actually have two, but I just I want to skip the president one, and we'll go back to that. But I want to ask you about black leaders. I mean, the, the way I wrote it, it says black leaders was really good. And and the reason I say that is because everybody has a complaint with the office of a president, no matter whom it is. You know what I mean? When every president, and there's a new president, somebody got a problem with him, somebody don't like it. That's natural. We get that. But I'm speaking on the black community for a second because we all know, man, I mean, it's just a fact, and people don't want to admit it, but Obama got our vote. Overall, he's got our vote, excuse me. And uh, whether whether we like it or not, whether it agrees with the principles that we have or not, he has the black vote on lock. He, you know, I, I said, I made a comment. I said, Obama could wear a dress and hula hoop, you know, but before the whole congregation of black folks out here, and he'll still have our vote. But So my question is, though, a lot of people who complain don't really know what the president can or can't do, or they don't really know why they do or don't like the president, because in large part, it's not research. So I, I guess my question is, to the folks who complain and comment about the president, about how he's going to help, in quotation marks, the black community, what do we really want from the office of the president? You know what I mean? What what should the black community expect from President Obama, or what should we demand and command from any president, bro, in, in your right, opinion? Right, right. So really, I mean, based off any president, you know, you, yeah, you, yeah. you want you want – you know, you want to have a comfortable life. Like like the person said before, not necessarily you want to be rich. You want to have decent gas bills. You want to you want to you want to be able to have the same kids to decent schooling. And I mean, and and definitely not being disappointed with the president at this point. But there's a lot of things that's not in order. A lot of things that's worse. The terrible Bush was in office. Now, based off what he had to deal with. You know what I mean? What was left in his hands, I mean, it was a tough job. But a lot of things that we did, the basics, you know, the schooling is, is, is right now we're in a serious, we're in a serious state right now. North Carolina, it's, 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 a bad, it's a bad way with the schools. But, I mean, schools starting. I really want to have a place where our kids can get a decent education, you know, not overcrowding the schools where they're able to learn, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. really learn and um, be productive citizens. When you when the when the schools are overcrowded, when you got old, when you have actually substitute teachers who are teaching your kids for the entire year, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's certain things that um, I mean the basics. I, I can't even go into the economics. And at this point where we are with the country, I would just be happy if we could get the basics together. Mm. You know what I mean? And that would be put the school and education first. Gas, I mean, come on, we we got Ben Laden is gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Word up. I mean, he's gone. And we have a lot of these, um, 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 we have a lot of folks that are gone now. I yeah. mean, um, and things are still worse. Gas is, I mean, man, premium is 415. 
It's still the same. Like I, I remember, I remember put people were saying, "Man, Bush got this gas price out all out of the world." You know what right. I mean? So I immediately, like when the gas price went crazy, because I already know the economics of gas. I, I get it. You know, especially in North Carolina, yeah. where our taxes out of this world. So I immediately tweeted and I posted on Facebook. So if Bush had the gas price out of this world, what does that say about Obama? I know neither one. I, come on, man. I, I mean, I know. Yeah. You know Kadafi what I'm saying? Gone. Kadafi yeah. Ben Laden. Um, what's the other one? Um, um, with the son. They got him hung him. He didn't even really. Saddam. Oh, Saddam was saying. All three of them gone, man. <laughs> and all, they had all the Come on, with them, that's like over 85% of the gas. That's, that's oil. Mm. And we're still paying for, I mean, it's more than what it was before Bush left. So it's telling you it's bigger than the president. Everything. Everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bigger than the president. The president is not the man behind the curtain. You know what I mean? And it's just, um, you know, my prayers go out to the brothers, but um, it's a lot going on that, that we, you know, we don't know. You know, and it's not like I can voice it, but we at least we got the knowledge that something else is, is, is going on. True indeed. Well, look, man, I definitely appreciate you calling in and rocking with us. You're always welcome, brother. Keep me in your prayers. I definitely keep you in mind. No Thank doubt. Thank you, sir. No doubt. Keep right, up the good work, all right? Thanks, bro. I appreciate yeah. that. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. I gotta take a second to bring my girl Sunny Johnson on here, man, because she is taking the time to join this show, and she's a, a busy, 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 busy woman. Has so many things popping. You know what? She shows us a lot of love by coming on the show and you know repping. So, Sunny, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Just had to big you up real quick, man. Thanks for coming on the show again. Not a problem. Always for you. And uh, you know I'm on the air. I got Ella Thomas with me here. He, he's going to have another show on the WMMG Network soon. He's co-hosting with us also. How you doing? Nice to meet you. <laughs> you're so I heard great things about you, your contributions of what you're doing in society and what you're doing with Mr. Pudgy Miller is, is to be commended. So uh, my hat's off to you, Queen. I appreciate that. Oh, you got me blushing over here. Look at that. Yeah, knock it off. We don't say nothing. Sonny, <laughs> <to say anything. laughs> you I mean, you know the topics. You, you know what we're talking about. We're going to some callers here in just a second. We'll go get a couple more. But, uh, you know, first I want you to let the people know who you are, man. We got a large crowd tonight, and uh, some people who just not don't really know what's going on don't know who you are. So let them know who you are, and please don't be modest this time because, you know, you, you, you're kind of a big deal right now. All right, let's see. I have been in Sarah Palin's Undefeated. I have appeared in Fire from the Heartland. I am one of the newest cap, um, cast members for the Internet web show, Politichicks. Yeah. I am a Tea Party speaker. I am an advocate for a small government, economic independence, educational freedom. I am a Christian. I am a mom. And I am a hip-hop generation yeah. generation. New school leader, so to speak. I love it. Now, love did, that, it. did that do you justice now? Yeah, that was big right there. I like that. I'm, I had to record that and play that back every time you come on. <laughs> Yo, Sonny, I'm going to get down to business because you said something that just bothered me. You just said something about your introduction. I got to keep it 100 with all my people on here. You just said Tea Party speaker, and, and the Tea Party people are racist. I'm just, hey, look, Tea Party, they racist. They they had pictures of Obama like a monkey. And and I went to a tea party and nobody ain't bothered me. They was actually they did bother me because people kept trying to give me hugs and was telling me how much they appreciate what I do and was telling me they love me. And I got sick of these tea party people. They wouldn't let me go. They kidnapped me, Sonny. 
So I, I just, how are you a Tea Party speaker and you black? I mean, come on now. Let's keep it 100. These are the same people that kidnapped me. Wouldn't let me go. Put me, look, they put me on the stage. They gave me a mic. They fed me. And they asked me what's like, yo, these people are horrible. Who, what's up with the Tea Party, man? Because everybody know they racist. Oh, whatever. Like I said, I always just um just put the offer out there on the table. Go spend a day with a tea party, and then Word. go spend a day with Occupy. Word. And then you tell me who you are. And if in the end you stand by Occupy, then so be it. You know, you're just on a different side than me. But I, I, I don't uh, – the tea party is a place where you meet like-minded people. You have a good time, family-oriented they bring you back and help you to learn the Constitution and help you to teach your kids to learn the Constitution. And that's so very important because those are the rules that um, that govern our land. So we need to know them, understand them, and um, appreciate their revel- um, their relevance. But I, I love the Tea Party, and I, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed or bashed or anything to say that I am a Tea Party advocate. I stand strong beside them. And um, I have a good time every time I go. So if you want to take the challenge, if you want to take the challenge, hit me up. Tell me where your local tea party is. I'll find somebody there to meet you at the door to help you, um, to guide you around. And, and you know what I'm saying? Take take the challenge. Go to um, go to Occupy. Go to Tea Party. See which one rocks. See who you are. Which one are you? Man, I left CPAC. With Sonny and my man, my brother Kevin. Shout out to Kevin Daniels. Hit him up on Twitter, at Kevin Daniels 5, president of Frederick Douglass Foundation, NC. Left that brother, left Sonny. I disappeared for a second because y'all know I'm from the hood. It ain't nothing. I'm yelling people, screaming people. It ain't nothing to me. So I went down to the midst of the Occupy folks. I'm down there kicking it with them. And one thing I've I've always said on this show, I've made it public, and, and I still feel the same way. I was all about Occupy Wall Street only for the simple fact of only for this right here. Only for this, too, by the way. So don't put words in my mouth. But only for the simple fact of I like that people could get together and stand for something that they agreed upon. Regular citizens now. I'm talking about regular people. That's the same reason I like the Tea Party. You know what I mean? That's the same reason I like the Million Man March. I love when people can get together and ha- hold a nonviolent protest of their understanding and their disconcern or their concern with what's going on in the nation. Now... That's the surface of the issue. When you find out who's really behind these things and who's controlling these things, you have to you have to back up for a second and understand what what you see is is not really what you see. This is driven by certain individuals. You know what I'm saying? So, like you said, Sonny. Anyway, before I went off on that little tangent, I want people to check out Occupy Wall Street too. You know, go to a meeting. You know, sit down, chill with them, go pick it. I'm pretty sure they'll you know they'll make you sign a piece of paper, or, or maybe not. They'll pay you to go pick it somewhere. They'll give you a nice sweater, a T-shirt, a flag. You all have nice same color flags and all that, and you go disturb some people. You know, but be careful when you're there because when I was there, I was wishing I was strapped. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to tell you all the honest to God truth. I ain't got no reason to lie. When I was among them people, I was like, yo, I should be strapped. You know, and that's that's the funny part because when you go to a tea party, they actually encourage you to be strapped. And, you know, you actually have, you have the people out there that are, and everybody's like showing each other their guns. And I met this real nice lady. I have to remember her name because she has such awesome purses for females to pack. And you can have, you know, she has a holster inside the bag, so it's easy (laughs) to grab out. I I mean, it's just those are the kind of 
fun things you um you get to experience at a tea party. But we were up in Washington D.C., so if you had had a gun, you know what I'm saying. No. The laws there are ridiculous for yeah, um for outfit. firearms. So yeah, you would have been causing more trouble than if you were just to be strapped among them. Yeah, them boys is out there too. I didn't know they were deep. They were out there too. They were making people move. But the Occupy was rocking. They had the drums bumping. Yo, they had the drums. They was rocking. It was dancing, and it was we won't go. We want jobs too. I was like, damn, I got a job, and I want a job too. It felt so good, man. It felt so good out there. And and you know what, folks? Like a lot of people are are, are they try to get you on emotion, and and that that brings me to the topics of the show. And, and Sonny, I just want to ask you. Um, let's go backwards with you. All right? I'm going to ask you about black leaders because you also said black leaders in your intro. And, and you know, we, we were at CPAC, did an interview. And, and the most beautiful thing about the interview, even though we got dogged on it uh, uh, by, a, I, I won't even say the name of the, the national newspaper or whatever, but hey, even though we got he dogged. Said, he, he said I was Palin-esque and I had my own starlight quality. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he bigged you up. He bigged you up. I, I can't even front of he kind of he kind of looked out, man. But I I felt like we got dogged a little bit because he painted the wrong picture. Like we were just saying that you know we are the new black leaders among a nation full of new black leaders. That you know, like I always say on this show as well. I think that we all need to become leaders and lead ourselves and stop waiting for somebody. We've been waiting for a leader since Moses, so we need to get off our butts and join the leadership and you know in this country. But anyway, forget about what I'm talking about. My bad, y'all. Let me ask Did you, you something. What's leaders since Moses? Yeah, yeah, we've been waiting since Moses. You know, Moses had to get the people off their butt, too. You, I mean, think about it. He had to tell people, anyway, we ain't going there. We ain't going there. Sonny, black leaders, what's really good? We complain about what the black leaders should be doing to help the black community, but many of us don't know what we want. What should or what do you want for the black community through these leaders that we have today? All right, before I get to that point, I want to connect two points you made earlier, and then I'll connect those ones to the to the question you just asked me. No doubt. Okay, I was listening to the show earlier, and it was two two basic subjects that you were talking about, and they both connect with each other, and I just don't think most people understand that. Well, you had the guy, the first caller that you had on, it was like they want everybody to go to college. They 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 want everybody to go to college. They want to run you through 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 the mill of actually attending the college. And then the second um, the second point was how you how the disconnect from what our grandparents taught us and to what our generation has now. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the this is the issue. When Woodrow Wilson and the progressives took over. Mm-hmm. In the early 1900s, um, Woodrow Wilson said the main uh, objective of college was to make their was to make children as um, to separate them as far from their parents as they could. That was in their in their thinking, in their religion, in their philosophy on government. That mm-hmm. was the purpose of uh, of sending um, your kids to college. It was to take the kid from the farm, to take the agriculturalist, to take the industrialist, to take the producer, mm-hmm. and send them to a college where they became unlike their parents. So whereas their parents knew thrift, their parents knew um, common sense, their parents knew the value of hard work, they wanted to take them through college where they started to say that it's the intellectuals, that you can make this intellectual argument. It didn't have to be brought up by proof. It didn't have to um, be backed up by historical facts. It could just be intellectual. And if you have that Ph.D., you have that, you know, those letters behind your name, then you were the absolute on what was. 
not what actually was, you know, and and that's kind of where they got that phrase, what are you, you know, what are you going to believe, me or your own eyes? Because they were trying to say, believe me because I have the Ph.D., believe me because I have all the um, the college degrees, believe me. Whatever your parents told you, they're wrong, they're outdated, they're, they're, they're um, irrelevant. You need to be listening to me. And that was the purpose. So that's when you have those two things working in tandem, where they want all of us to go to college, but they want us to go to college so that they can reprogram us into a new society that thinks that, it's the government's job to take care of us, or that so many injustices were done in the past by our government that therefore we are now owed something by our government. Those kind of things, those where you learn them in college. And that's why you see at Occupy, a large amount of, of the kids there are college-age kids. And, and their professors are having them march out, and their professors are now giving classes about how to occupy, the purpose of occupy, the relevancy of occupy, the godlike qualities of occupy. And this is what their professors are teaching them. Never mind, and at the same time their professors are teaching them, the college students are out there saying, we don't want to pay our college loans. Right. So they don't even want to pay for the education that they got that got them to where they are. And that's the vicious cycle of it because now why aren't they at the schools protesting the amount of um, of tuition? And some of them are doing that in California. But if if your professor is teaching you that money isn't important, that 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 um, helping the common good is more important than financial um, independence, then why aren't they willing to cut their salaries to make sure that more people come to college at a more reasonable rate instead of enslaving so many Americans in debt? Mm. But you don't have that argument because the ones who are out there marching have been given their marching orders by their professors. So you never stand up to bite the hand that feeds you, which is their professors. That gives them this moral equivalency to think that what they're preaching is right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, having all that said, having said all of that, what do we want? What that was? You asked me the question about the president, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do we? Oh, actually, oh you asked what me about actually... leadership. Black leaders. Well, yeah, black the black leaders, leaders, and then we, we'll go to the president next. But, but you know, many people talk about that black leaders are failing in black communities, and, and, and I don't even disagree with that because I see it and have seen it happen. My question is, though, what do we want from them? You know, a lot of people make that complaint, and it's, and it's an open-ended complaint because they don't know what they want. If if a black leader came to you today and said, Sonny, what do you want of me? I'm doing this and this and this, but what do you want of me? Okay, well, let me tell you what the population wants, so let me tell you what I want. Yeah, exactly. Speak from a population population first, please. The population wants to have their responsibility removed. Mm. We want to live life without consequence. Mm. And, And that's what we want the most. We want to have fun, to party, and not to have to care at the end of the week if our bills are paid. That's what we want. And if we can't get that, then we feel that it's someone else's fault that we can't have that. That life, that's how life should be. And and we don't want to take on the responsibilities that we didn't um, not, not necessarily get an education, but we knew what we were good at. But someone told us it wasn't cool or it, it wasn't this, that, or the other, so we didn't pursue it. And that's what you have, like I always say, you have a whole bunch of people in the ghetto who can fix cars, but not one of them got a um, mechanic's license. 
You got a whole bunch of them that can that could build a back deck, but they've never um they don't have construction licenses. They you know they're not going into these fields, and yet when you can use them in a handyman status, so to speak, you know the hood handyman is no problem with that. Because everybody needs a handyman. So I'll take it back to the lesson. What we need to learn as a population is that what, what Booker T taught us. It's okay for for a black person to want to aspire to to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, or to be a judge, or to be a poly, you know, whatever it is. It's no, it's no problem. If that's what you want to aspire to, that's fine. But it takes them four years of regular college. And then they have to take four years of a graduate studies. Well, through that four, through those eight years while they're in college, they need to eat. They need clothes. They need books. They need um, cleaning supplies. They yeah. they need things. So to enrich our population, not only do we need these doctors, these lawyers, these people of high status, but we also need the people that provide the services to them. And that's what you were talking about as far as manufacturing goes and uh, and along those things. We need producers. Yeah, we do. And it, it's all right to want to be a thinker, but we also need producers. And, and Booker T, and that was one of the things that he stressed, is that if we need to put more time and effort and energy to those things. And, and in those things, he made self-made millionaires. Mm-hmm. Because... If you own a restaurant and you know you have a college student that's eating in your restaurant four times a um, four nights every single week, and then you have thousands of college students that are doing that, then in the end you're going to be a millionaire. Everybody, yeah, everybody's so going to be good. Yeah, you're making you're making money while they're pursuing their education. And and that's the two-way street of it, because then once you have money, you're going to be the one that goes to the doctor and then pays the lawyer and so forth, so on, and, and on down the road. And, mm-hmm. and, and we need to take responsibility and stand up for that to say that that's not something that a politician can do for us. And that's where it goes into my thinking of what, if, if a politician asks me what, do you want me to do? What can I do for you? What do I expect of you? My answer is get the hell out of the way. <laughs> yeah, that's get the problem. Get the hell that, too much. out of the way. They're definitely you know? too much in our lives right now, and and that's the whole problem that I have with government, period, That is that it's too much involvement. There's too many restrictions. There's too many mandates, rules, laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're giving, up, giving us a whole bunch of what we don't want, what we don't even need. You know what I'm saying? 619-638-8559 is the number. Hit number one if you got a comment. Ella, hold that thought one second. Let's go to a call, and I'll get right back with you. Going to a call no out, problem, of the seven, out of the 718. You've been holding with us for a very long time. I appreciate your patience. Last three numbers, 805. You're on air with Pudgy. What's up? Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Just wanted to bring up a lot of issues, a couple of issues, I should say. And uh, this last speaker was really good. I forgot her name. I'm sorry. That's Sunny uh, Johnson. Just, Yes, um, she brought up a, great, a lot of great points that I just wanted to touch on. The whole Booker T. Washington versus Frederick Douglass debate um, that she mentioned um, and uh, the role of the president, you know, just looking at the Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, it just mm-hmm. lays it out really <laughs> clearly, like what the role is of the president mm-hmm. and how it ties into the Bible a little bit. I don't want to get religious, but like Samuel and how the people wanted a king. 
they wanted to go from the judges to the king. Mm-hmm. So the judges, the judges were more like impartial uh, figures that just looked at the rule of law. And instead, the people were like, no, we want a king like the other, you know, nations. And so it's that cult of personality that kind of breeds, you know, people like, as she said, want that, you know, paternal figure to take care of them. So uh, the, the judges were like a little too, you know, esoteric, you know, it was like these guys you really didn't, you know, know too much about. They really weren't involved in your life. They were kind of just dealing with the law <laughs> and they were at an arm's length. And, you know, people like a king, you know, for the reasons that she was talking about. Sure. Um, a couple other things. Uh, yeah, the whole political system. I mean, you know, they have like, you know, they want us to go against each other like Yankees and Red Sox, you know, like my team, your team, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really nonsense, you know, when you think about it, if you just step away from it a little bit. Um, and uh, in particular, um, let me see what else. Oh, yeah, so most of the things that people do want from the president are supposed mm-hmm. to be, or the Congress, are supposed to be handled, as we know, by the state. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another issue. So people, you know, a lot of the things that we do, you know, think are roles uh, taken by the federal government really should be taken by the state. Um, the president can help, like one caller said about gas prices. I mean, in some respects, yes, he can help, perhaps with monetary policy. A lot of people don't discuss, like, how the value of our dollar relates to the price of, uh, you know, commodities Cost such as oil. Sure. Um, and but he also could help with like offshore drilling permits and the Canadian, you know, pipeline issue. There are the, there, that is a role of the president, I think, in the Constitution. He does like handle treaties, but they do have to be ratified, I believe, by the Senate. Absolutely. But again, again it's Article Two, Section Two, and it's just like four little you know, paragraphs. I mean, it's really short. I mean, it's not too much that he can do. Um, and uh, the other issue is. Yeah, the Constitution, I mean, if you just look to the Constitution, I mean, it, it was a document that was, like, greater than the men who actually wrote it, you know, because the same men who wrote the document ended up compromising on slavery, mm-hmm. you know, which which undermines the whole foundation of the Constitution. So it's like, to a lot of people, when you say, oh, just look to the Constitution, they're like, well, that's, you know, that allowed slavery, and and in in their right. Hold up. Yeah, it does. But here here's the point, and this is this, and this is something that it, it needs to be pointed out more uh, all, all the time. Is when they say that that is about the stupidest argument to make. Oh, I because agree. The whole I point. Agree. I just want to give the answer to the argument real fast. When they say that, when they when they say. That 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 that's the that the document was made. It allowed slavery. Yes, it did allow that. Yes, it did. But the initial people who wrote the document wrote the document to protect themselves. First and foremost, it was to protect themselves. It was um also to build a, a, a nation and get a nation some structure. But it was to um it was to protect themselves at each as an individual. Well, whether they wanted to include Black Americans in it or not. The simple fact of the matter is we live under those rules now. So the same rules that they made to protect themselves are now the same rules that we live on under that we can use to protect ourselves. 
and and that's how you need um that's how we start need to start reshaping the message because they control the conversation when they have us trying to tell people oh the constitution is a good document no i i'm not i'm going to convince you that the constitution is a good document all i have to do is say do you like free speech do you like being able to support god do you think the police have the right to search you without a warrant do you think that they can do double jeopardy on you or make you testify against yourself start laying out what the, what the constitution actually says and then you change the argument because you're not going to have people who say, yes, the police should be able to search me. You're not going to have people that's, um, that's going to say, yes, uh, the government should be able to tell me to sit down and shut up. But when we get back into that defensive position of trying to um, to defend the Constitution rather than to use it as a weapon, then, then then, they control the argument. I'd rather have it where I could use it as a weapon where, okay, well, if we didn't have the Constitution, these are the things that they could do to us. And most people, I don't care what color you are, where you come from, what's your social, um, what's your social status in, in America or whatever, you want to live under the rules uh, most basic in our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to back that up. I just want to say that basically the Constitution just stated that you have the right to your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness just because you were born, not as a result of any laws that were passed. And that's why I was saying that the document itself is greater than the men who wrote it. That's a fact. And, and, and that's how we have to view politics and everything else, that you know, men are fallible or women, or I should say, and, and we need the rule of law. And this is the best thing that we do have. So it's a great, a great blueprint that we could follow um, because, again, it, it does something that was greater than, you know, any man could really create on his own or had devised before. And, you know, that's it. Well, I, I think you made some great comments. That that actually opened the doors to uh, more conversation that we should have. You know, it, should we over – I won't go into it now, but – you know, some some people have asked the question: Should we be able to overturn constitutional? Uh, uh, should we be able to introduce constitutional amendments? Should we do away with the constitution? Should we have a new constitution? I mean, it, it goes right in hand on hand with the old versus new mentality, the old versus new concept of things. The way people think today is totally uh, uh, new. It's, it's totally fresh. And there's a lot of people who just don't think that we should go back to the old ways, that we should do away with all old things and introduce this new doctrine. I'm just here to say that I don't think that's the way to go because as we go on in life and we keep introducing these new things, it seems that society is getting worse and worse and worse the more they let go of these old things, like, let's say, the Constitution, <laughs> you know? <laughs> The most basic of things, right? The most basic of things. So thanks for your call, call. I really appreciate it. We're going to another call out of the 336, one of several. Last three numbers, 806. You're on the air with Pudgy Sonny and my man, Ella Thomas. What's up? Can't hear you. Call there. Okay, I hear you now. Hello? Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> You are live on the air, 806 out of the 336. Hi, Pudgy. Hey. This is Missy. How you doing? Good, Missy. How are you? Fine. For some reason, I couldn't hear you. Oh, I don't know what's going on. We got we got all the buttons. But I hear you now loud and clear. Okay. So what's on your mind? How you feel That's about the topic to, today? Okay, I wanted to talk about, um, in the beginning, when you were talking about the old school versus the new school. Yes, ma'am. Um, 
And my personal opinion is the difference between the old school and new school is in the newer generation, I think the parents are younger, mm-hmm. so therefore they want to act like the kids and they want to do the things, or they're still doing the things that the kids or teenagers are doing. You got <laughs> the mothers that are still in the club. You got the mothers that are still smoking, the mothers that are still, you know, sleeping with different men. And this is the stuff that the children are seeing, so it's being introduced to the kids, where if they don't have any morals for their kids, and this is all they know and all they see, so they're doing the same thing versus the old school you know, parents had more respect for their children. A lot of things mm. that our parents and grandparents did, we never knew of, and we still don't know of, because these are the things that they kept If I could give her snaps on that one, <laughs> that's the truth right there. Because, you know, like when my mom passed, um, you know, and everybody was around and they was telling stories, about mm-hmm. my mom, I was like, no freaking way, because exactly. I, had, exactly. I had never seen my mom touch any alcohol. I had, I mean, it was so many things that when they were sitting there telling me about my mom, I was like, that is no way that was my mom. I had never seen it. I would I never would have, if I had to paint a picture of what her life was before <laughs> us, that's not the brush I would have used, you know? Exactly, and you wouldn't have never known, because those are the things that they keep inside even to the point where the the younger generation now, they're scared of their children versus back in the day, anybody parent would have beat you. And I'm on the older generation because if I'm around somebody else's child, if you're disrespectful, I'm going to beat you. So I'll beat you. And if I have to speak with the mom, <laughs> be careful, I have Missy. to speak with the mom. Be careful, Missy. I mean, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. But I mean, but that's how it needs to be. You have so many parents that are even they're scared of their own children. Yeah. And my thing is, if your child come to my house and they give me more respect than they give you, that's a problem. Ooh. I have yes. kids come here and they yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, because they know that's how my children are. But then when they're at home, it's what yo. That's not that's that ain't acceptable. How you gonna come to my house and respect me more than you respect your own parents? Mm. You know that's what, not even a joke. With my daughter, with my daughter, I'm the same way. Like, if we're around the group, and, you know, like, you're not watching your kid 100% of the time, but there's other people there that are. And you know how, like, one of the other parents will snap, you know, tell your kid they're doing something, and then your kid look at you like they expect you to, you know, step in and, and tell them that they okay or something. I'd be like, get her. I'd be like, exactly. get her. You know, i tell the other parents, get her. And, yeah, and, and that's to let her know. That. Yeah, but that's just to let her know that when we're in a when we're in a group of adults, and I'm not the only one watching you, believe that you're gonna get caught, and I'm not gonna protect you because I'm your, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm your mama. Because you know, if I had saw you, I would have probably pulled you by your ear somewhere, and you know what I'm saying? Me, you would have been going at it in the corner. You better be glad that's all you got, and and. That's that's excellent point. I know I. Oh man, that's good. Yeah, and I mean, well, if it, it gets better, it's gonna keep happening. And even when you spoke on, you know, I'm not gonna get into politics, but even when you were saying how, what do we expect or what do, what do we want? Us African African Americans, and I'm not gonna say just only us, but a lot of people want something given to them. Yeah. I mean, when you have to go out there and work for oh, yeah. yourself, or you know, work hard and slave. I'm not gonna say slave, but work hard and put all your effort into it, then that's when it means something to you. I'm not knocking the teen parents. I don't condone it. I was a teen parent myself. I had my son at 16. I graduated from high school. I've never been on the system. 
And mm. my mother made it so hard for me, I never got whipped. So I had a child at 16, I had a child at 23, and I had a child at 32. So that lets you know it was so hard. You got these teenagers or mid-age kids or adults having kids back-to-back, and it's because all they know is the system. So if you make it hard for them, then maybe they'll go out and work harder and stop having so many kids and stop depending on the system where they can't say, well, the system failed me. No, you failed yourself. Wow. If you have to be on the system, (laughs) I don't knock it, but get on it and get off of it. You You know, don't get on there just to be on it. So that's the difference. Like the the older generation, my mom, she didn't play. Her her philosophy was, you wanted this baby, y'all are going to take care of this baby. Me and my son's father, we worked and went to school and paid for my son. And if they make more mothers do it, it can happen. You get these mothers, they go in, they get an epidural. It's easy to them. Of course they're going to get pregnant again because it was no pain. I had all three natural births. Wow. So if it's hard for them, they're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. (laughs) Then you got some of the grandparents just saying, girl, go get a check. Go get food stamps. Go get wig. Why are you encouraging this? But it's generational. No, I have my aunt, my auntie. My auntie is just like that, and and it it, it blew it blew my mind because she was always the so strict type. Uh, um, they she's never been on the system. She works her tail off, her and her husband. And then I'm having a conversation with her, and and she's like, yeah, well, if they can get the check, they should get the check. And I'm like sitting, I'm like. You that's not the route you took in life. You now you're at a point in your life where you're looking back. You're retired. You own uh, three eight three four acres of land down in the boondocks where nobody bothers you. You know what I'm saying? And 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 you got to a point where you're happy with your life. Where the path that got you there was hard work and integrity and sacrifice. But now you would tell the generation that comes after you that if you can get it easy, then to get it easy. But that's and probably because that's, that's that the point is now. that. Yeah, they got it. They got it the hard way, and they 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 think that they wanted. They're making it easier for us by mm-hmm. saying that we shouldn't have to work as hard as they did, and, and that goes back to that removing the responsibility aspect of it. Is that if you fail, it's not your fault. It, it's somebody else's fault, and, and and that's the thing that we need to change because that's the only way that we get better. You're supposed to fail. You're supposed to fall on your face. You're supposed to get down on your knees and have to say, dear God, help me, because that's what builds character. That's what builds strong men. That's what you look back on one day and say, I can't believe I was there to where I am now, and then you look exactly. at it with pride. Mm-hmm. That's that They want to take that away. And that's what our parents had. Our parents felt that, I mean, our grandparents actually felt that way because they owned a house. They owned land. They had a little money in the bank. They had these things. But all of that, what it took to get those things are not what they want to pass down to the generation now. They don't want our generation to feel that we have to work just as hard as they worked for it. Mm. Well, I think we all need to work as hard as they did. And, Pudgy, I think you were, I came in on the end when you were talking about the two-family homes and my opinion about a two-family home is from experience, or not from experience, but just from the my friends that are around me, I've noticed that the children that are in a two-family home are, some of them are those 
children that get out there and act like the world owes them something. The mm-hmm. ones that were in a one-parent home, single parent, that struggle or knew the struggle from their parents are the ones that are doing better than those that were that grew up in the two-family fam, um, homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got several cousins that moms are single parents, and, I mean, these kids are in college, and, I mean, they're just doing good, where they know this is not, we don't want to go back to how we were raised. But you got a lot of kids that, we're in two-family homes, and the parents gave them everything, and it's like, yeah, they feel like this is what they owe me. I don't have to do anything because I never knew the struggle. Although there may have been a struggle, they mm-hmm. never knew about it. So it's like it means nothing to them. That's big. That is big. I, I see that a lot, too. Um, just personally, though, I, I don't think that the single-parent home is the way to go because I look at the black community and see what's going on in the black community when it comes to removing the male from the home. And I definitely yeah, see what the good. government wants. No, no, it's not good at yeah, all. I'm not and saying I think it's a that, good thing, but I'm just yeah. saying that I've noticed that more kids prosper more from, I, you know, you have a lot of people say, well, I didn't do this because my dad wasn't here. I didn't do this because I didn't have a mama. But it's a lot of people that do a whole lot without their parents versus several people, the majority of the people that have the two family homes. You know, even. Well, mm-hmm. I well, think with the. Oh, go ahead. One thing, one thing that Missy said that was pretty profound, and I'm listening to this debate. I, I'm actually appreciating this. Um, you actually sound like you have strong expectations and standards in your household. I think one thing that we're talking about the topic, you know, the old versus the new. Um, one a in the new generation, there's access to a lot more information than there was in the back in the days. I mean. I was just blown away by how much access to information that people have, like even our eight-year-olds. And then um, the lack of, or should I say, there's a lot of households that have a lot of passiveness going on in their leadership. I came from a single-parent household. I didn't like the route I had to go to in order to become the man of integrity I am. However, there are two-parent households that both parents are passive, therefore their child still has to learn how to get um, that integrity and that standards from someone else. What do you feel about that, Missy? I agree, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you came from a single-parent home, and what I'm getting from you is that you've done a lot of good things, and you're, you know, you're on the right path. But there are some kids that come from the two-family homes that are not doing what they should be doing because everything that they got has been given to them. You know, mm-hmm. and, like again, like I said, back in the day, it's a lot of things that our parents and grandparents did that we didn't know of. When you're in a two-family home, when you do have struggles, your kids don't know about it. But when you're in a single-parent home, you know that struggle. You know, if you've lived in the projects, you know that struggle. Whereas when you got your mom and your dad, they're going to make it so that you don't know what's going on. You don't know when that light bill is going to be turned off. Or you don't know when, you know, you get the notice where your rent and need to be due. That's stuff that the kids will never know about because this is the leadership and this is what, you you know, you keep from your children because that's nothing they need to worry about. That's you and your husband or you and your mate's responsibility. But when you're that single parent, you have no choice. They have to know or you know, it's just subject that they're going to know, okay, well, baby, you can't get these pair of shoes this week or we can't, we got to find some food this week. You know, this is stuff that they're subject to because they're with that mom, with that single parent. I'm not saying all single parents struggle, but the, the two family homes, they struggle, but they keep it unknown from their children. And this is the paradox, and I think that this is the one thing that it's, it's, it's what you choose to give. It's what you choose to give your kids because this exactly. is such a delicate argument. But it's what you choose to give. What you choose to give your kids. If you have a household and you have a household with two parents in it, and you still 
do not give your do, do, the parents aren't standing up to their expectations their expectations of what they have to do. No matter if both of them are there in presence, um, it, it, the children are still aren't getting getting what they need. And I take this seriously because uh, of what she just said. I lived in a two parent home, and though my father was there and my stepmother, um, um, in the later part of my teenage years, my father was absent. And all other words, but the fact that he was there. So, you know, he paid the bills and you saw him, but he didn't teach me money skills. He didn't teach me, um, you know, kind of those things that dad's supposed to pass down to their daughter. He didn't teach me those things, even though I did live in, in the house with him. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand what she says. If you if you still if you have two parents in your home and you neglect to still give your kids the basics of it, where you don't teach them about balancing the checkbook, you don't teach them. You know, even if you're not having money problems, there are basic money skills that you should be imparting to your kids. But so many of us who want to, you know, turn away from accepting our responsibility, we turn that over to the schools to do instead of doing it ourselves. And so. I think that that's the point where she's getting at. If um, if you don't, and this brings up what Charlotte said in the beginning. In the beginning, you don't know about managing your money. How can you teach your kids how to do it? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the thing. Whether you're in a single parent home, and I think that that's where she's trying to say it. Kind of not. I don't want to say. I don't want to use the word advantage. But one of the good things, and like I always say. I never regret being from the hood. I never regret having that upbringing because it taught me so very much. And then when I moved from that part to I moved from the ghetto into a two-parent home, then I learned a whole different set of values. So I got to learn both ends of the spectrum, so to speak, uh, about this. That's what I'm saying. And you appreciated it more because you had been in the hood. That's exactly yes. what I'm saying. I, I and, I never, ever, and I never, ever, ever wanted to go back. But also being in a two-parent home with my father not being able to read, he could barely add, you know, how was he going to teach me about being financially disciplined and, and, and about getting those kind of things on track? So what it is, I think mostly whether you're in a one-parent home or a two-parent home, is that you constantly improve yourself. And the things that you fall short on, don't be afraid to admit that that is a shortfall. Because then even if you and your kid got to learn it together, both of you will learn it. So it takes it out of the complex of how many parents you have in a, um, in a household, even though I, I do believe a two-parent household is better. But it takes out of account of how many parents you have, as and it puts more into account the full range that you're getting from the parents, what can the parents give you every single day as far as um, expanding your education? If you're not learning like the Constitution as well as you should in school, the parents should be teaching it. The parents should be teaching um, money management. The parents should be teaching common sense. The parents should be teaching you about debt and credit cards and interest rates and, and all of those things. So it doesn't really matter the number of parents in your household so much as the quality of parenting you get from the household I get with all that. I hear that, but we, all of us that that's talking here, all of us are speaking from one perspective. We're not speaking from from all perspectives, and that's the problem. Like what we see, 
are extreme cases, folks. Like a lot of people don't go through what we've been through. A lot of people don't go through what our friends have been through. So we're, we've only seen one side of the story. There are a lot of kids out there who get everything that they want and everything that they desire from one parent. And 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 you know we're not familiar with that in 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 large you know in in most cases. But there are there are other kids out there in single parent households who get everything that they want monetarily, or they get everything that they need without any kind of struggle. And those kids don't look at life the way that we do. So I, it it it's it's on on one hand we're but we're talking about people who have been through a struggle and saying, you know what, I don't want to go through that struggle again. And that's what we're seeing. But I'm telling y'all, in large part and by numbers that are astonishing, and I hope you look them up. The single parent households are non beneficial in this country, especially. I'm talking some eighty percent or higher. Not single parent households are are just not beneficial. Thank God, people like us though have take taken those single parent households and done the things that we need to do. That's just the way it is. I mean, look at some of your friends. In large part, we may have some some friends that have kids that have grown up to do the things that we do. But I guarantee you guys. If you name 20 of your friends, you cannot name 20 of your friends from single-parent households that are quote-unquote successful or at least comfortable today. I know I can't. That's just from my perspective. I can probably say that maybe half of my friends that came from a single-parent home are more successful than the other half that came from a two-family home. And I think it's, like I said again, it's because they saw the struggle. Maybe for most kids, the sort of struggle is that way, man. But we got plenty of project homes and plenty of people who repeat living in projects, who don't desire to go anywhere, who are, who are, dra- who are dropouts, non-graduates of any kind, who don't even hold a job and are not looking for a job, statistically speaking, that aren't doing that. You know, it's something. You know, it's interesting, Pudgy. I'm glad we're touched on this, and I know we're going to have to um, proceed. I was reading um, a particular book, and it's called The Other West Book. And essentially, two individuals from the same neighborhood, um, both you know, raised in similar similar type of family structure. One came on to being this highly employed individual. This other person ended out of jail. And in an interview, they, what they did, they took the two one Westbrook. They never knew each other. Didn't know they fit in the same area. And there was an interview between them. He said, "Do you think where you come from is why you became the way that you are, in and out of jail, et cetera, et cetera?" And the, the question, the answer baffled me. He said, the expectation of me becoming this person that I am is why I became the person I am. And I thought that was kind of interesting because no matter what your family structure is, um, if you receive what the expectation of you is, you become, you, you start to conform to that particular mentality. So let's say, for example, yes, you may have seen the, the struggle in a um, single-parent household and your motive for not wanting to ever be like that again could be like, you know what, I like this, I like this, I didn't have what I needed, and I got tired of my friends having that, so therefore I'm going to go ahead and move forward in my life and to become highly employed. But guess what happens? Now they don't even know how to engage themselves in a relationship. So it's all about, A, in my opinion, the expectations, um, what the standards are of an individual, and how an individual sees himself or herself. Because I just learned that I wanted to be the other statistic, plain and period. That's what, that would motivate me, well, whereas other individuals, um, feel like you know they were owned, they were owed something, or they're entitled to something just because of their living conditions. And so, essentially, as leaders, as I consider myself a leader, when I'm talking to um, African American young men, who my heart goes after strongly, is first and foremost establishing their standard for what they expect for themselves, rather than um, living up to the expectation or the adverse expectations of someone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
it, it makes perfect sense. I, I think in our individual groups, and, and to Missy's you know point, in our individual groups that that may be happening. You know, we may have friends that we dealt with, and and they may have went on to do great things. I know I have several. But looking at it overall, and, you know, you could go with your friends, your neighborhood, your high school class, or what may have you, in the black community, it's not possible. It's it's not even going down like that. Or we wouldn't have so many policies and people driven to make, create single-parent households if they were that beneficial. They just aren't. But, you know, like I said, now, in your group, that may be the case. And, and I hope and pray we get there. But if it if that was definitely the fact of the matter in this country, we would be in a lot better shape than what we are, especially in the black community. Yeah. Still, and again, I'm still, always speaking on my experience because, like, personally, I've never I've never lived in the hood, and my my mother, um, I grew up in a two parent home, but they made it seem like it was just the worst. Like my family, from family, from generation to generation, none of us ever stayed in the hood, in the projects, mm-hmm. anything. So. To us, it was so bad. Like, if you had to get on the system, it's bad. You know, like, we have, I have one cousin now that's on the system, and it, it's just like they bash her, like, you know, you're the only one in the family that's in the projects, you know. So they make it seem, they made it seem like it was so bad. So I guess it was, it made us push harder to get out there and work and, you know, do because you didn't want that coming from your family. So I'm basically only speaking from my experience, but also looking at my, you know, my friends that came from a one parent versus two parent homes that, that are doing well from the one parent home. Mm-hmm. But see, mm-hmm. that goes to that goes to exactly what I said. Is depending on what your parents give you. You coming from a, a, a two parent home, your parents still gave you that 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 feeling that the system wasn't the answer. And and it doesn't matter where you whether you get that from a one parent home where you see the mother struggling, you decide that that isn't the answer, or whether you get it from a two parent home where both of your parents tell you it's unacceptable. The fact is that you get it. And and that's that's the whole thing about it is if 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 it is introduced in the household that is a wonderful thing but you got to realize that just because it's introduced in the household doesn't mean it's set because once you go outside the household everything around you is telling you something different exactly. but if you give it to that if you give it to that main status in the household and that's why I say I definitely agree with you that the two parent household is better p but if if you are in a one parent household and you are still giving your ki- your children good stuff, whether it's you have to give it to them because of adversity or whether you're giving it to them because of your own self that they need to have it and that's the kind of parent you want to be, as long as your child is given that foundation, then then they have more of an opportune um, choice to make their decision about which one they want, whether it's forced on them or whether you decide to introduce it voluntarily. They still need to get it, and if they get it, then they have a better chance of succeeding. But what you were saying about the overall population and the amount of people that we have that are messed up, a lot of them, a lot of them don't. When you get to a certain point where you have bought into that the system is supposed to take care of you, and I give people the benefit of the doubt on, on this because a lot of us were brought up from that from the from the time we came out of the womb. That that's what we were taught that the that's what the system is there for to make sure it, it takes care of you. So I give people a benefit of the doubt on that one, and that's why that's why people like um, us are so important is that we have to bring this conversation to you and introduce them, yeah, and introduce you to something new. Now, after learning something new, if you still make the choice that that's the route you want to go on, then 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 that's when the problem arises of that conversation we need to talk to each other about is 
are we the kings and queens we claim we are, or are we, you know, socially misfit um, under 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 people, under Americans, because we are black, or are we the kings and queens we talked about? And that's a whole different conversation. But first, you got to ask the initial question: Do you think you need to be out there get it for yourself, or do you think that someone else should be handed it to you? Overall, and though, that's so, that's the real problem: is, is that people, Sonny, people aren't asking the question. I mean, we ask it amongst ourselves. But the people who are in the spotlight, who are, who are and and Missy, I got to get another caller too, man. Appreciate okay. you calling. Okay, I'm gonna grab You're another welcome. caller here just for a second. But I think overall, people aren't doing or asking the questions. They're not doing the things to even come to the point where they can ask the questions to the people who need to be asked. Because one popular, one side of the people already know. They're already driven. They're already motivated. They're already given the tools that they need. But another side of the kids or another side of the population, they don't know. They have no clue, and no one is asking them. No one is proposing to them. People are writing them off. So B.I.G. for all you guys for coming on this show. B.I.G. for having this show. I'm going to big myself up because this is what we need to bring to people who don't know, who aren't catered to, who aren't even talked to, people who aren't even considered. There's a large part of the yep. population that are not even damn considered part of my language at all whatsoever. They're written off, and that's the reason why we build so many jails and prisons. If I'm lying, you need to get with your stats and look it up. Go into a call out of the 336. One more time. Last three numbers, 886. You're on the air live with Pudgy Ellen and Sunny. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hi, Pudgy. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Sunny. Um, <laughs> and Missy as well, if she's still there. I was listening and I was taken back by some of the comments about single parent and double parent or two parents. And your perception is your reality, and I give you that. If that's what you saw growing up and that's what you've accepted as your reality, then I can't change your, your point of view. But what I can say is that I grew up with two parents. I grew up with a very active two parents. But I can also tell you that my parents instilled in us very early on that you have to work for what you want. My father went to work every day. My mother went to work every day. And one of the first lessons that I remember being taught is I represent them when I leave that house. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go out and act a fool because <laughs> I had the type of parents that would show up. And show my up. mother was a social worker. And I can remember distinctly her telling me, I will wear your tail out. <laughs> and she worked yeah. for CPS. You know the number next to the phone. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I tell you no lie, I feel my mother. I, I was scared of her. Do you know the most dreadful thing as a, as a black kid with one of those real strong moms is when she called your whole name out? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. She'll make you she make you pee on yourself just by calling your name out. So most definitely <laughs> with that one. And I remember as a child, I wasn't the type of kid that you even had to to whoop me because I never got a whooping for the same thing twice. I was one of those. I okay, it hurts. I'm done. But I remember the most hurtful, dramatic thing that I heard from my my parents was get out of my face that you disappointed me. I need you to leave my presence. I was so hurt that I had disappointed them because they didn't deserve that. I didn't get an allowance. I wasn't spoiled. I didn't get an allowance because my parents said that they weren't going to pay me for doing something that I was supposed to be doing. Who are you telling? I, I just had that conversation with my daughter a couple of days ago. She, she, got, she was like, when I get my report card in, you got to go and buy me a doll. I said, hold up. I think you got it twisted. 
I, I think your only job is school. If you think I'm going to buy you something for doing what you're supposed to do, you have completely lost your mind. And I just exactly had that conversation it. with my daughter. Exactly. I'm not. Your, my job as a child was to go to school, was to do right, and respect my parents, to do my chores in the house. That was my job. And everybody in the house, I had two brothers, everybody in the house had a job. When I got old enough to get a job permit for the things that I wanted, I went out and got a job. Nothing was handed to me because I had two parents. But what I can say is I know from them and the lessons that they instilled to me, I know how to balance checkbook. I know how to play tithes and offering. I know how to... There you go. You know, take care of my responsibilities. I know how to take care of me. And I don't have to depend on anybody else because those are the lessons that I was taught. I don't, I'm not looking for anybody else to say, okay, well, since you didn't learn how to do it, I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and hand you whatever you need to be handed. Now, if I needed help, I knew how to get that, and I knew where the resources were, but that was not my first option. My first option was to get off off my tail and get up and do something about it. You just made me so happy, may I say. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my thing is this. Coming coming from um, a male perspective, an African-American male, however, when we're talking about leadership and we're talking about um, the old school versus the new school way of thinking. And it is unfortunate, and I appreciate um, this young lady's contribution, is that um, why is it not the first thought is I have to do for myself when the first law is self says, you know, you must take care of self first. And essentially, we actually have trained, unfortunately, some of these individuals, or should I say, we failed to get the baton from a leadership standpoint these young kids and how to effectively take care of themselves or how to effectively become resourceful, how to effectively become educated on the things that they need to be educated on. The problem I see here is that there's a huge disconnect between um, the leadership from the days that I was going up to today's leadership. And then I also realized there's a situation where a lot of individuals, especially the black community, community A, don't know exactly what they want, depending on what um, demographic you're talking about, and B, they're acceptive their sensitiveness or their ability to receive certain leadership um, education. We have this mentality of, you know what, I don't need nobody. I don't need anyone. You know, you can't tell me anything, and therefore, yet, we get upset when we see other individuals who are highly employed and they're succeeding, and, but we're not willing to do the same work or have to create the same work ethic it takes to get the same things that people get. So I commend you, Ms. Kimberly, on what you said. But my question is, what you see is the disconnect from the old school way of thinking to the new age generation way of thinking. I think that the old school way of thinking, and especially the way that I grew up, they were very hands-on. My parents knew where I was. They knew that I had homework. They knew, you know what I'm saying? They knew what was going on in my life. They know me. And I think these days, a lot of new school parents, they don't know their children as their children. They know their children as their homegirls or their homies. You know what I'm saying? That's there's a there's a total disconnect between yeah, there is. That's right. what the role of a parent is and what, what constitute being a good parent is and just being a mommy or a daddy. I read an yeah. uh, article yesterday 
in the L.A. Times that was talking about this man who was 33 years old, and he's in court trying to get his child support reduced. His kids get a dollar forty-nine a month. This man is 33 years old and has 30 children. That's ridiculous. By 11 different women. By ele- Desmond Hatchet. And I hope you're listening, Desmond. Strap it up. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. 30 kids, man. He said, I'm a good dad. I know all my kids' names and birthdays. That doesn't make you a father. You have 30 kids that you can't take care of. That's not good parenting. (laughs) You you know how how when some people get to talking and you just want to stop and listen? I feel that's 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 how I feel right now because like she has explained like the last two three months of of me and my child's conversations because she's at that age where she's testing me just to see how far you know how far she go go before I you know punch her in the eye and <laughs> and 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 you have to have but you have to have those conversations with your child because I I tell her cause, you know you you when you're strict on them. And then they'll be like, oh, you don't love me. Or, you know, they try to play that cute mess. And I try to tell you, I love you to death, but my job ain't to be your friend. Yes. You know what I'm saying? My job is to get you to 18 and then to get you the hell out of my house. <laughs> and how you make it and from that age is it, going to be your decision to make. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's the... That's the that's the the mindset that I put her in. I put her in the mindset that when you turn eighteen, ain't no lead on mama couch. You got to go. And but you did your part and, at that point. You can say I'll exactly. Child. Exactly. That's why I told her. I was like, I'm not. I'm not afraid for you not to like me. I'm not afraid for you to be upset with me. I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is when you are out on your own. Whether you're gonna be prepared and ready for it. That's my mm. fear. So all this crap you're doing yes. now, it, it, it matters not to me. My, what's going to matter to me is when I'm looking at you and you're ready to leave the nest, do I understand that I have given you every single thing you need to succeed and now I get to sit back and watch what you do? I get to sit mm. back and be the mom that is proud of my daughter and what she has achieved and how far she has come. But well, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's like the, two, the right. last two months. The last two months of me and my daughter's conversation, she just, um, she just, she just laid it out perfectly. Well, I can tell you from experience. I remember distinctly telling my mom, "Mommy, you're my best friend," and I remember her looking at me and saying, "No, I'm not. I'm your mother." And my feelings were hurt. Like you don't want to be my best friend, and she explained to me, "No, because your friends, you can argue with." disrespect, not call, not do whatever. I'm your mother. You have an obligation. And that's a big difference. And and thank you for that. You know, sometimes you just need to hear from somebody else. So I think you just sent me a message that that I'm on path and doing the right thing. So you just gave me some validation. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome.
you know, and my mother was a real mother, but they had standards and they demanded respect. And because of that, I know my value and I know what my job is to me. My obligation is to me to be better than what society tells me I should be because society will hand a black woman a whole bunch of excuses not to be anything. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, but because just, of how I was brought up, I have to be something. One thing I want to point out, and I think each and every one on this call has a very brilliant mind and obviously have high standards. One thing, Paji, one thing we didn't talk about, and it's something that from the old school way of thinking to the new school way of thinking, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to the men right quick, if you don't mind, Paji. You I'm going to say it. to the men. We got it seven minutes, brother. Us, Go for it. It's time for men to actually become men. There's no, no time. We, we no longer have the excuse of relying on anyone else for, the, for why we are the way we are. The way we think, we have to encourage ourselves. We have to continue to breed a different generation, a different type of mindset. I noticed that historically, um, as of now, I see so many uh, women who are becoming prominent, who actually are doing things, and yet I see a lot of these young minds in this, in this thinking that, you know what, um, I don't have to become greater. All I need to do is attach to my attach myself to something that's great, therefore I'm great by connection. No. You set the standard and the benchmark for what greatness is. And I tell these young men this every time, whether you're a father, a single individual, the time for excuses come to an end now. We have no reason, um, as we said on the shores of our forefathers, to have the excuses and live the type of lives that we live in. And Impoverished thinking should be eradicated. The way that we actually see our queens should be eradicated. Because right now it's time for the African-American man and just men together to continue to stand as men. Mm. So I'm just going like that. that. I like that. My man, Ella Thomas, dropping the knowledge off to all the men out there. I want to thank all my callers for coming through. Sonny, you have any final comments that you need to make, man, before we get up out of here? Because we definitely got to move on. We got to close the show. We're over, but we got five minutes. Um, you can check out all my episodes, all the new air episodes of Politichicks on Politichicks.tv, so you can see me there. And I was very, very, very blessed to have Pudgy, Marvin Rogers, and Kevin Daniels in the studio for two great episodes of Politichicks that should be airing soon, so be on the lookout for those. And, um, big shout-out to you, P, always. You know that. Yeah. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Everybody, check out Politichicks, man. Don't forget, Sonny, thanks for having me and Kev up there. You know, we had a great time up there, man. It was beautiful. Ella, my man, yes, let let the people know about your book, brother, where they can find your book, man, where people can get your book from, they can buy it, read it, what may have you. Well, essentially, I've been co- I've been coined as the Hurt Specialist Leader, not now, Pudgy. Um, <laughs> the book, Moving Forward Courageously, yeah. Seven Secrets to Restoring Love, Money, and Happiness in Your Life. Basically, seven principles how you can start living life in power and fullness after experiencing adversity that's associated to um, spiritual, mental, physical, financial hardships. So you go on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or if you go to my website where you find a little bit more about me at IamMSC.com, which stands for IamMovingForwardCourageously.com. Looking forward to you. Um, we're going to be empowering a million minds for the next 18 months and making everyone a part of it who can be a part of it. There it is, man. Shout out to everybody out there who listen to the KIRP radio show. 
Appreciate you guys for rocking with us, man. Don't forget, every Sunday we write back doing the same thing at the same time, 8 p.m. through 10 p.m. Sometimes we go through 11 if we, you know, we can get it, we can get it on the queue. Um, L is going to be with us full time. He's going to also be on here with his own show called The L Experience real soon. So be on the lookout for that. KRPRadioShow.com is where you can find the broadcast after the show was closed. About an after, about an hour after the show, you guys can go back on there, check the archives, and maybe catch up on something you missed. I definitely appreciate everybody for rocking with us out there. Big, another shout out, Big to Kayla. Holding it down in Oklahoma City, good friend of mine's daughter, doing it B.I.G., man. Graduating, shout out to Missy. I saw you in the cap and gown, girl, doing your thing. That's big right there. And all you graduates out there, man, I really appreciate you guys. Keep going hard. And remember, God is love. Love is God. We are out of here. Catch us next Sunday, 8 p.m. on KRPRadioShow.com, 619-638-8559. We're also on Twitter. Also on Facebook, and that's how we do it. One love, we are out of here. Check real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still. I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I get to shine. Let's throw your hands.